as Catherine mentioned a moment of go a moment ago, um, tomorrow we are beginning a uh, series of uh, 21 days of prayer and fasting. This is uh, something that happens uh, denomination-wide with Foursquare. Every year they begin the year with a focus on prayer and fasting and seeking the Lord. And this, this year, the theme is praying the Word. And we have uh, two little booklets out there in the foyer, uh, one that has uh, just kind of like daily devotions and prayer points and a place to take notes and quotes to think about, scriptures to read. Uh, so that'd be basically a, a prayer guide for these next 21 days. And then we also have one uh, called Family Moments, which uh, has things to kind of incorporate maybe as a group, as a family, especially if you have uh, little ones around. So you're certainly welcome to pick those up. If you prefer digital versions, they're available on our website for download. If you uh, go to our webpage and look at the news section, the announcement of 21 days of prayer and fasting, you can get this digitally. Or if you prefer a daily email reminder, uh, there's a link on the website as well to go to Foursquare and you can sign up and you just get an email in your inbox every day and it'll give you all the information, all the prayer points, that basically the same thing that's in one of those booklets you can get a, a digital version of. Um, as we enter into this season, these next few weeks, I thought it would be good to talk about fasting. I don't know if you have done a lot of fasting in your life. I have not done a lot of fasting in my life. Um, but as we think about fasting, what I'm hoping to do is kind of teach through what the Bible says about fasting and maybe demystify it a little bit. Because as I think about fasting, I tend to think of it as like a super spiritual practice that like, you know, those really committed uh, followers of Jesus do and like, if you attain a certain level, then you should fast and maybe you'll attain to the next level. And I, I don't know, that, that is a totally wrong view of fasting, but that's kind of how I feel sometimes. And I don't know if you feel that way at all. But I, I want to walk through and kind of just make it a little more practical for myself and for, for us as we think about this time of fasting. I, I don't know if you, you keep up with trends and what's happening in the fitness world and all that kind of stuff. But fasting has become more and more popular these days. It's really like trendy to fast. A lot of people have discovered there's a lot of health benefits to fasting. There's a lot of mental benefits to, to fasting to help um, like, uh, give you clarity of thought and focus and all these things. There's, there's this whole movement where people do intermittent fasting. They only eat uh, between a certain time frame every day and the rest of the day they fast and they don't eat, any, eat anything. They'll get up in the morning and not have anything until lunchtime or two in the afternoon and and people will say, like, if I eat before then, I just can't focus. I'm all scattered. I don't have any energy. It sucks all the energy out of me. There's, so there's this whole realm of fasting that's happening in our world today. But we're, we're not looking at fasting for necessarily physical benefits, although, although that would be good, or, or mental benefits. What we're talking about today is fasting as a spiritual practice. And like I said, uh, fasting... Uh, has been challenging for me because I just realized I have no slides. Hmm. All right, well, I don't know how to fix that, so here we go. Um, fasting has been, has been challenging for me um, because I like food. Like, I just, I just like food. I, I like to indulge myself. And maybe I don't, um, like, overindulge all the time, but just little bits here and there, 
I have a hard time saying no. Like this past week has been holidays, and there is junk food all over the place in my house. People give me stuff. My wife made four dozen cookies yesterday, it had to be. I don't know why, because we still had stuff left over from, from the holidays, but she was like, it's going to be a snow day, and I'm going to bake. And she, I, I just don't think they're there, John. I, I don't know how to, how to fix it either. Um, so there's just food all around, and even in just the little moments where I really don't need anything to eat, I'm like, peanut butter ball sounds amazing right now, and I'll go to the fridge and I'll, I'll get out a peanut butter ball. And so when it comes to something like fasting, which is the practice of going without food in order to devote myself to God, I, I struggle because I'm like, well, I just don't want to deny myself those simple little pleasures. But fasting, as we think about it as a spiritual discipline, is what I've just said. It is the practice of going without food in order to focus on God, to devote ourselves to God. And it is an acknowledgement of our dependence upon God, that we need Him more than anything else. We need Him more than the air that we breathe. We need Him more than the stuff that we eat, more than the water that we drink. And Jesus used a lot of these examples, and he talked about being the bread of life or, or living water, that if we took of his living water, we would never thirst again. And this is a, a, a recognition that we are not just physical beings, but we are spiritual beings, and we derive our life from God. God is the source of our life. And so when we come and we set aside eating a food, whether it be for a day or a meal or a, a longer time, a week, the people who do longer fast, it is, it is a statement that we need God more than anything else. Like Jesus said, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Father. And it's important as we think about a practice like fasting, we need to understand that it can't be used to force God's hand. We're not trying to make God do something for us. We're not trying to manipulate Him in any way. We're not trying to uh, impress Him. God, I want you to see how devoted I am to you so that you'll do this thing that I need or that you'll show up in a certain way. It's not to prove ourselves to Him, to show ourselves to be super spiritual, but rather it's simply to humble ourselves and to say, God, I recognize that I need you more than anything else. And just as with any spiritual practice, we can uh, focus on it rather than the things that God desires in life. And we see this in the Old Testament prophets. In Isaiah 58, uh, God is talking to the Israelites and He says, hey, you're fasting, that's great, but I, you know, I'm not really impressed by that. I'm not pleased by that because you're neglecting justice and mercy. You're neglecting care for the poor and the oppressed and all that kind of stuff. And he says, that's the kind of fasting that I would prefer is that you, that you do my will, that you do what I've called you to do. And so fasting is simply a, a spiritual discipline where we are denying ourselves in one area to set aside time to focus on God, to declare our hunger for God more than our hunger for the stuff of this life. It's important that we note as we read this that fasting is not commanded in the New Testament. There's nowhere in the New Testament where we are told you must fast. You must fast on a certain day or a certain time or whatever. There's no, no command for Christians to fast. But we do know that Jesus talked about fasting. He talked about 
fasting with the Pharisees and how they were fasting to, to show off to men. We'll talk about that in a little while. He also was asked why his disciples weren't fasting. The disciples of John the Baptist were fasting. The disciples of the Pharisees, they were fasting. And they, uh, they came to him and said, why, why aren't your disciples fasting? And, and Jesus says, hey, when, when the bridegroom is here, there's no reason to fast. Like, we're partying. It's, 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 it's time to enjoy the presence of the bridegroom. But there's going to come a time when they will fast. When the bridegroom is away, when Jesus is away, my disciples will fast. And so again, there's, there's no specific command, but it seems to be a practice that, that Jesus taught and honored. And as we look at Scripture, the people of God have practiced fasting throughout their history and their, and their relationship with God. And so what we're going to do today is going to walk through the different reasons for fasting. Why were the people of God fasting as they sought the Lord? The first thing that we see is that fasting for them was an act of repentance. There are many times throughout the history of the uh, people of Israel where they strayed away from God and they fasted and cried out to God because of their sin. They recognized that they had done wrong and that they were turning away from their sin. And so we see this in, in the prophet Joel in, in, verses one, uh, in, in chapter 1, verse 14. We have God talking to the people of Israel how things have gone uh, terribly for them, that He's basically removed His blessing from them. And He tells them to declare a holy fast and cry out to the Lord. He tells them to return to Him with all their hearts, with fasting and weeping. So as part of this process of repentance and confessing their sin, they include fasting, the denial of their food. We see this in the prophet Daniel, and I'm going to be flying, that's why I was hoping for PowerPoint today, because we've got lots of examples. So just, just hang with me, take notes if you can. Um, but we see this in the, in the prophet Daniel, in, in chapter 9. He's in exile in, in Babylon. The, the city of Jerusalem is in ruins, and you know, the people have been carried off, and they're under the authority of another nation. And he turns to God and he pleads with God. And he says, I pleaded with him uh, in prayer and petition in fasting. And I prayed and confessed to the Lord my God the sins of Israel. So in this time of uh, just this national failure, in a sense, he looks at, at the nation and he realizes how much they have turned away from God. And he confesses before the Lord. What's interesting, in that situation, Daniel is confessing uh, corporate sin. He's not necessarily confessing his personal sin. It was the sins of previous generations that led them off into exile, that, that caused God to remove his hand of protection and blessing. And Daniel himself is fasting on behalf of his people and confessing their sin. A similar thing happens in the book of Nehemiah as the people are coming out of exile and they're going back into Jerusalem and they're beginning to rebuild. And Nehemiah goes and he travels to Jerusalem and he, he learns that the walls are in ruin, the, the, the gates have been burned, everything is in, in just disrepair. And he says, when I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. And then he prays and he says, I confess the sins that we Israelites have committed. And he confesses his personal sins and he confesses the sins of the nations. 
And so we see this connection with fasting and mourning or grieving over our sin. When we recognize that we've done wrong before God and we turn to Him, people have fasted. They have denied themselves and fasted. Another reason we see people fasting in the Scriptures is when they have a need and they're asking God for help. We're going to look at three examples of that. Uh, first of all, in Second Chronicles chapter 20, verses 3 and 4. We've, in this chapter, we've got uh, King Jehoshaphat, and he is leading the people of Israel, and the Moabites and the Amorites uh, combine forces, and they rise up against the people of Judah. And so, in the Scriptures, it says, Jehoshaphat was alarmed, and he resolved to inquire of the Lord. So, he had this army, this massive army that was... Uh, much too large for him to defeat with his own forces. It was basically guaranteed defeat if he went out against them. And he decided to inquire of the Lord, to seek the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah, and the people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. So there's basically like destruction before them. And what else are we going to do? Well, we're going to just fast and seek God completely, and what happens is God shows up and He delivers the people. They gain victory in that moment. Another place where we see fasting over a particular need is in the book of Esther. And if you remember that story of Esther, she becomes um, the queen of the nation. And there's this plot against the Jewish people, and this man named Haman wants to have all the Jews destroyed, and he convinces the king to issue an order where all of the Jews can be destroyed. And Esther goes to um, another Jew, Mordecai, and Mordecai says, well, you've got to go to the king. You've got to tell him what's going on. Tell him that you're a Jew and that you can be destroyed in, with, with, this, with this law, and you have to plead your case. And she says, well, it's illegal for me to go to the king. At that point in time, the, the, the queen could not just go into the the king and ask for something. You know, she, shouldn't, she, she couldn't show up unannounced. She, and, show, and so she could be killed for breaking that law. And so what she tells Mordecai is, she says, go and gather together all the Jews and fast for me. She says, I and my attendants will also fast. They're not going to eat anything for three days and three nights. And he says, when this is done, I will go to the king. And if I perish, I perish. So she's going to go to the king and plead on behalf of the Jewish people <coughs> that they could defend themselves and not be destroyed. And, and she precedes it by fasting. You notice um, what happens in the story is that she says, if I perish, I perish. In other words, she's not relying on her fasting to achieve her goal or to make God do what she wants, right? She, she recognizes that she might not get the outcome that she desires, but they seek the Lord and they deny themselves for three days and three nights and they ask for the Lord's help and then she goes and asks the king to spare the people. And of course, God moves on their behalf. Finally, another place where we see this crying out to God in the midst of a need is in the book of Ezra. We have the people, again, returning to Jerusalem after their exile, coming out of Babylon. And Ezra is taking a group of people, and they have to travel a long distance through dangerous territory to go back to the city of Jerusalem. 
But he says, you know, I've been bragging to the king about the power of my God. I've been telling him how awesome my God is. So now as we're going back to, to Jerusalem, I don't want to say, hey, king, it's, da- it's a dangerous journey. Can we have some soldiers to go with us to protect us? Because, you know, that would kind of show that our God is not able to protect us. So I'm not going to do that. What I'm going to do is ask God for help and ask God for a safe journey. And so Ezra looks at the people and he proclaims a fast. He says, I proclaimed a fast so that we might humble ourselves before God and ask Him for a safe journey for us and our children with all our possessions. And this is in Ezra chapter 8, a few verses later, it says, So we fasted and petitioned our God about this, and He answered our prayer. And God gave them a safe journey back to their homeland. So in these instances, we have people with a need in front of them, and they decide to deny themselves food, to seek God and ask for His help, and God shows up. And I I love that song that we sang this morning. It's new to us. We've only sang it a couple of times so far. Uh, but that, the part of it, I sought the Lord and He heard and He answered. And um, just every time I, I sing that, God brings things to mind that He's answered for me. There are things where I've cried out to Him. And that's, that's straight from the Psalms, by the way, that I sought the Lord and He heard and He answered. Like God, God shows up and He reminds me of ways that He's that He's uh, taken care of me and answered my prayer, and I just get to praise Him in the midst of that. All right, so we have repentance, we have times of need, and finally we're going to look at times of just pure devotion to God. All right? So in the New Testament, we see this show up quite a bit. Uh, one, of the, one of the passages we see this in is in Luke chapter 2, after the birth of Jesus. And Mary and Joseph, they're taking Jesus to the temple to fulfill the requirements of the law. He's about eight days old. And as they're at the temple, there's this lady there named Anna, and she's a prophetess. And it describes her, it says that she never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. And just think about this life, this ongoing pursuit of God, where there's this regular fasting and prayer as part of her spiritual life. We see it in the life of Jesus, specifically when He was led out by the Spirit into the wilderness. He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and it says after that He was hungry. And I, can, I, I can't imagine, like, 40 minutes, you know, like, I gotta, I gotta eat a snack. 40 days and, and 40 nights. Can't walk past the refrigerator without grabbing a peanut butter ball or thing on that counter where the cookies are. And He's pursuing God, and he's fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. And that's where we read where the devil tempts him. And he says, hey, if you're the Son of God, turn this stone into bread. And Jesus says, man does not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of the Father. And he's more hungry for the Word of God, for his relationship with God, than he is for the stuff of this life. We see the church practicing fasting in a couple of different instances in the book of Acts. One of those is Acts chapter 13. It says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. So here we have this church together and they're praying, they're worshiping, they're serving the Lord and they're fasting. And in the middle of this, the Holy Spirit speaks. God speaks. 
And that starts a whole mission to the Gentiles where, where Saul and Barnabas go out um, preaching the gospel and many people come to believe. The story continues in chapter 14 where Paul and Barnabas are going around to all of these, all of these churches that they've planted. And it says that they appointed elders in each of those churches and with prayer and fasting they committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. So these people had come, come to faith, they were organizing into these groups, and they were establishing leaders for themselves. And part of establishing those leaders, they, they, they prayed and they fasted and they committed themselves to the Lord. So this is just act of devotion in fasting. It was part of their regular life. We read in the, as we read the Old Testament and the, the New Testament and and look at the historical backgrounds, the, the Jews, they, they fasted several days a week. A particular day, it was just a day that they fasted. It wasn't like a special event that they did or once a year we begin the year with prayer and fasting. It was just a regular part of their lives. And Jesus teaches about the sincerity that we ought to have when we fast. He says, when you fast, he says this in Matthew 6, when you fast, don't look somber, don't look sad, don't look gloomy like the hypocrites do. It says they disfigure their faces. They, they, they disfigure their faces. They, um, they basically put on a show and make themselves look miserable so that everybody else knows that they're not eating. But they've already received their reward, he says. He, he tells his disciples, when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you're fasting. Then God, who sees what you do in secret, will, will reward you for what you've done. So in other words, when we practice fasting, we just go about our normal business. We don't have to make a big show of it. We don't have to make a big deal of it, out about it. If someone asks us to have a bite to eat, we don't have to be like, stop, I'm fasting, you're tempting me, or anything like that. Just a simple no thank you and, and going about our lives. When we think about these principles of fasting, again, I'm hoping to um, make it seem less ethereal or you know, fake spiritual or whatever. It's just a simple practice of I'm setting aside some of my desires so that I can teach myself to desire God more than anything else. And this is a, a discipline that we have to discipline our bodies. Like a lot of times we just go with what we're feeling like in the moment. Whatever our body is driving us to do, that's what we do. And Paul talks about this. He, he talks about how people live with their uh, basically stomachs acting as their God, right? Their, their appetites control them. And the reality is that our appetites do not have to control us. What we want or feel in the moment doesn't have to control us. And we want to put God above everything else. So fasting can look many different ways for many different people. And the question is, well, what might be God calling you to do? Maybe you're in a situation where you can't fast. God is not calling you to fast, and, and, that, and that's fine. Whatever it is God is calling you to do to draw closer to Him. But as we think about this practice of, of fasting, maybe it's a, a meal on a, on a day or a meal on a particular day, it's, or maybe it's fasting one whole day a week. Wh whatever it might be, maybe it's multiple days. Um, God, how is it that you are calling me to draw closer to you that I might humble myself and recognize my complete dependence on you rather than the things that I think that I need. 
We want to seek God above all else. And maybe this principle applies to other things in your life too. Maybe it's not just food. Um, maybe it's something like watching TV or getting on the internet and looking things up or social media. Or maybe it's just uh, a, a certain thing in your life that you need to set aside for a while that, that you could focus on prayer and growing in your dependence upon God. We want to come to God and pursue Him with everything. As His disciples, as His followers, He is Lord, not my body, not my stomach, not, the, not my desires. And as we do this, we're, again, we're not trying to force Him to do something. We're not trying to manipulate Him. We're just humbly coming and trusting Him, maybe in a time of repentance or in a time of need or just a time of pure devotion, to work in power to make himself um, known to us in a new and fresh way as we seek him alone. We want him to work in power and transform our lives. And as we begin this time of prayer and fasting, I would invite you to ask the Lord, what is it that he's calling you to? And again, the options are, are, are many. Maybe it's nothing. Maybe it's, maybe it's um, something different that you've never thought of before. But God, how is it in this time as we begin this year, can I seek you with my whole heart? I just invite you to go before the Lord and just ask that simple question. We're going to take some time, just a moment of silence, give you some time to pray, and then we'll close out in prayer and worship. Father God, we thank you that you want to walk in relationship with us and that you invite us to seek you in many different ways. You invite us to seek you in the midst of community together with brothers and sisters. And you invite us to seek you in solitude and silence. God, you invite us to seek you in celebration and feasting. You invite us to seek you in self-denial and fasting. Lord, you invite us to seek you in sacrifice. You invite us to seek you in the midst of uh, blessing and receiving from others. God, you show up in so many different ways, Lord. And God, as we pursue you through these many spiritual disciplines, these many spiritual practices, God, I pray that we might know your love and your power in fresh ways. God, we pray for your grace upon our church. God, for the people who are seeking your face, longing to see you move 
longing to see you heal, longing to see you restore. God, I pray, Lord, that you would encourage us in this season, that you would build us up and strengthen us, Lord. God, that you would help us to see the future that you have for us and that you would give us spiritual eyes, Lord God, that we wouldn't look merely at the physical things, Lord, but we would see into the spiritual realm to have an awareness of what you're doing. And God, that we would be your people as you invite us to partner with you in the advance of your kingdom. Lord, that we would live lives that are full of the qualities of your kingdom. Love and hope, joy and peace. God, I pray that you would make yourself known and that you would transform us by your power in this season. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.